Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lock Talk Radio. Great good joy, my friend, and good afternoon. The Nepalese meditation bowl is chiming, and that means it's time for The Art of the CEO, bringing you the most fascinating and the most helpful folks in the business community from around this terrestrial orb. This is Bart Jackson, the Hieronymus Bosch of business, with today's focus on tales of estate planning, lessons from experience. Yesterday, we're going to hear... Uh, some of the scariest tales and the best solutions to that most vital and most complex and but often most neglected aspects of your own business. That is, what do you do when you own a business or have a share in a business and by virtue of death or personal desires, it is time to pass that business on to heirs or successors. Certainly one of the most vital decisions for your company. And by the radio god's good graces and juggling of his own busy schedule, you'll be getting those answers from one of the nation's foremost estate planners, uh, an MBA, a CPA, an attorney, an author, and just plain one of the darn best in the field, Mr. Martin Shankman. Marty, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Happy to be here. Oh, I'm so glad you could join us. This is great. Uh, I was wondering if you could give us sort of a little foretaste of the feast to come and could you uh, put a little scare into some of the procrastinators out there and tell us just one of the worst-case scenarios of the business owner who, when he passed, hadn't quite gotten around to laying out any estate planning or succession for his business? The, 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 the tales of woe are, are, are legion because so many people don't want to deal with these issues. The, the ostrich mm. approach just really doesn't work well for business owners. I mean, just yeah. one example that comes to mind, and there's so many. Uh, a, a dentist in his mid-40s died unexpectedly suddenly, which is typically how it happens, of a heart attack. Yeah. And uh-huh. um, he, had not, he, had, he was young, so he hadn't thought of anything. He had no plans, sure. nothing sure. done, nothing in writing. He had recently, a few months earlier, hired a, um, um, an associate to work in his practice as an employee. No employment mm-hmm. agreement signed, hadn't gotten around to it. The widow was struggling to deal okay. with everything. By the time she came to me, it was a few weeks, I said, you've got to get a practice um, broker immediately and sell the practice before there's sure, nothing sure. The half-life isn't going to be long. By the time mm-hmm. she finally got around to it, the associate had opened up down the block. He had never signed a, a non-compete agreement. And uh-huh. many of the patients had gravitated to him because they needed to. And uh, there was not much left to sell. And there's so oh, many God. tales like that. Oh, boy. Yeah, and it's... Just... It's so easy. I think so many of us have that have that half done will and the half done succession plan and, and the agreement lying lying there or that's like really half pregnant, right? Yeah, right. That's like, like half being half pregnant. pregnant. Yeah, it's, right. it's really good, right? Yeah, not to. <laughs> well, as you can see, folks, we do have a feast of wisdom in store for each individual out there. And so whether you are an independent florist trying to break the lore of the online boys with your own gift of unique artistry like Sharma, 
or a movie producer seeking a new type of interactive marketing to excite folks about his documentaries like Jim. The Art of the CEO is here to lavish upon you the experience of Business Masters, so stick with us. And every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, The Art of the CEO streams magically through the mightily misunderstood realms of cyberspace, where you may listen and download all our episodes by visiting blogtalkradio.com slash the art of the CEO. Yes, that's blogtalkradio.com slash the art of the CEO, where every week you may gather up and reap the sage counsel to make your careers thrive and your ventures absolutely flourish. But uh, before Marty and you and I set ourselves and our businesses on a solid future course, uh, why don't we take a moment out there to supply you with a few utensils for today's Feast of Wisdom. So first, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. And that's the most important position you'll ever hold in your career. So please pause and ponder and ask, will this be the day that you give in to your desires? That is, that you see your wants as things of value, worthy goals to shoot for. Or will you continue to be tricked into believing that sacrificing what you want is something truly noble? The choice is truly yours. And as a second utensil, it is time to dip into a little laughter and take a scriptural recitation from the 101 Best Business Quips book. So this time we'll head for the middle. Let's see. Okay, here's number 47. Is our CEO finished speaking yet? Oh, Lord, he was finished half an hour ago. He just won't stop. (laughs) I love that. Anyway, as an afterthought, uh, today's online communication entices all of us toward much more toward quantity than quality. So uh, just remember that, as ever, brevity remains the soul of wit. Just a thought. And as a third utensil, oh, perhaps it would prove appropriate to call today's utensil the posthumous dividing knife, uh, coming at you right now is the answers to last week's business quotation. So hang with us, because later in the show, blurting your way, uh, will come another enriching quotation. And if you are among the learned souls who knows the author of that quote, just simply jot that sage's name down as you believe him or her to be and email it directly to info at bartsbooks.com that's i-n-f-o at b-a-r-t-s-b-o-o-k-s dot com and if you are correct you will uh your knowledge will earn you a the marvelous gift freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of bart's books bookstore so the author of last week's quote that is the individual who said The only reason most American families don't own an elephant is that they've never been offered an elephant for a dollar down with easy easy weekly payments. Those words were spoken correctly by none other than the wonderfully iconoclastic editors of Mad Magazine. So, with utensils in hand, why don't we tuck into today's Feast of Wisdom and turn to the gentleman who has practiced and written the definitive bookshelf on estate planning, Mr. Martin Shankman. Marty, before we get into it, I was wondering if you could give us um, a, a bit of perspective on yourself. Now, you've garnered, as, as I mentioned, you've got the an MBA, a law degree, a CPA. You've authored books now. It's more than three dozen. And, and you've gained uh, every bit of knowledge on estate planning one could ever hope to find. So if I may make so bold, you know why, why estate? What's that? Hello? Do you know what my mother had to say? Bard, can you hear me? Yeah, uh-huh, right. Can you hear me okay? 
Yes, I can. I can. I guess we got blotted for a minute there. Yeah. Right here. Okay, I'm sorry. Finish your question. I apologize. No, I was just going to say, all these things happen. Ain't technology grand? I love it. Uh, but I was just going to say, what what uh, draws you into into estate planning? It's, it's a fascinating field. You can get as technically um, complex as you wish. The, 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 the human interactions are incredible. And the ability to help oh, people um, is probably second to nothing. And um, the succession planning topic for today is something that can make a world of difference for every listener and, more importantly than for them, perhaps, their families and loved ones. Well, that's that's true. I mean, it is a, you're making definitely a real and vital contribution to people, as you, as you further previously mentioned, something that people don't want to consider but uh, is very important that they do. And I know that most people... Uh, particularly when you have a closely held business, uh, estate, estate planning means for when they die. Now, is, is that the main issue that people should be worrying about? It, it's not the main issue, and that's a great question, because most people assume that estate planning for a business owner is when I die, and gee, isn't that all about taxes? And neither of those are true. Mm. Um, mm. More importantly than when you die, and just as important to planning, what if you're sick? And the right way to really go about succession planning for every close-sale business owner or small professional practice is to go through sort of a a series of possible events. So first, what if you're out for a couple of weeks? In many cases, it may just be your existing staff can run the business. In some cases, let's say you're a veterinarian and you practice alone, you could work out what I call a back scratch agreement. Uh, You make an arrangement with a nearby competitor, yes, a competitor, uh, uh-huh. My uh, patients, my clients, my pets, uh, if I'm out sick for up to 60 days, I'll do the same for you. So uh, you kind of uh, help each other right. out. You then right, need to right. look at a longer-term disability. Uh, what if you're out for a couple of months? You have a heart attack and you can't really get back full-time for three, four months. It's a little more difficult for a back scratch agreement. That may work, but what do you do? And it's certainly something that's too long in most cases if you're a key person for your staff to handle right. without you. So you need to look at a short-term period out, a little longer-term period out. Permanent disability mm. is pretty much tantamount in many cases to death because if you can't do anything, it's as if you're out of the business. But even that, there could be shades of. So, for example, you may have a physical impediment that makes it too hard to work, but you still may be able to have some input. And then, obviously, right. the final stage is death. So you need practical, different planning for different stages. I see. Well, that boy, you know, it, you really struck home with me uh, right there, Marty. I mean, I uh, have, I personally have just recently had a whole series of uh, of injuries that have prevented me from doing certain parts of my business. And I also realize it's put me in mind of the fact that uh, as dealing with publishing and and writing, that uh, I I there will come a point where I may be physically able, but I, I I really don't shall we say have the right stuff anymore to keep the quality up. There's th- these are things that you that uh, that I've certainly made no consideration for, and I think most of us haven't. So yeah, you really hit home with bringing that. up another. You're bringing up another excellent facet that's all intertwined with this retirement mm-hmm. planning. That's another form yeah. of succession. You talk about short-term and mid-term disability, permanent disability, retirement, and death. 
each of these things needs to be planned for because maximizing what you're going to get out of your business or your professional practice will vary for each of those circumstances. And I think most people in a closely held business or a professional practice also feel a responsibility for their customers, their patients, their clients, however you call them. And you want to make yeah, sure no, that you smoothly true. transition them. Mm-hmm. You're, you're absolutely right. I think that uh, business becomes more than than just taking in invoices and so forth. It, you, you, oh, that you want uh, just like a, a will, you want to, just like your heirs, you want to take care of those people that you've been working with. So you're right. Yeah, I, I uh, think it's very well, you know, true for closely held business owners. Oh yeah. Well, you know, just uh, at this point, I'd like to kind of open the door for a little bragging rights. Uh, they always say the best deserve it. And Marty, could could you share one of those the, the, the most intricate or most clever, challenging bits of uh, mistake of estate maneuvering? This, that you've done something perhaps with an innovative twist of which you're justifiably proud? Um, you know, it can go down several paths. I mean, from an intellectual uh-huh. perspective, um, you know, estate tax savings for a very, very valuable family business to help pass it on to the next generation using uh-huh. intricate tax planning, uh, note sales to defective grantor dynasty trusts is certainly exciting, and <laughs> there's incredible uh, yeah. uh, creativity and intellectual challenge for that. But, you know, we'd need hour, an hour just to explain some of that. Um, probably yeah. the most intellectually challenging piece that I could explain real quickly, I had a, a, a couple come to me once, and their son was a priest who had taken upon himself a Carmelite vow of poverty. And the challenge oh, okay. given to me was they wanted to leave him a pro rata share of one-third of their estate, but not right. to violate his, his, his vow of poverty. So how do you leave a priest under a vow of poverty money without violating the vow of poverty? And that was, uh. that was uh, quite, quite an intellectual challenge. The biggest reward, <laughs> though, is uh. in salvaging families, where somebody comes mm. to me that uh, recently they disinherited a kid. And I said, you know, can I have permission from you to talk to you about why you did it? And after about 15 minutes, it became very apparent it was a rash decision. They were very upset that they did it. They felt bad about it. And we fixed that. Mm-hmm. Undoing that damage saved, oh, will my. save this family. So, you know, wow. on a human level, the things you can do are just incredible. Oh, that's but, but really, the key of all this, the key mm-hmm. for all of this your listeners have to go out and seek out the professionals and let them help them because everybody faces these challenges, whatever the nature or size of their business, whatever the nature or size, and however they define their family. But if you don't address it and you take the ostrich approach, which is something we mentioned earlier in the show, you're leaving a mess for everybody. It's not what you want to do. Well, I know that that, uh, regulations are coming up all the time, and and is my regular attorney for someone who, who owns a business uh is or, or my regular CPA or something uh is he really going to be able to handle that or she uh i mean don't it sounds as if uh i i would do better with a specialist i mean how do i find a good a, 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 someone to help me with this uh, I'm going to give you uh, a slightly different answer, which I think is a better answer, and it's a different question than okay. what most people ask. I don't think sure. you want just a good CPA or a good attorney. I think what you want is a team. Life is simply okay. too complex. And if mm-hmm. I did the best estate plan in the world for somebody, if their accountant is not clued in on board and filing tax returns consistent with what I've done and helping me monitor the plan, 
it won't work. Mm-hmm. If whoever is doing their insurance planning is not tuned in, the plan won't really hum optimally. What you really want is a team, and a team approach is uh, ideal. You want collaboration of your different advisors because everybody will add something different. If you have a collaborative effort and one of the players on your team is a bit weak, the others may be able to make up for it. If one of the players is really dropping the ball and not capable, the others will tell you that. So that answer is really, you know, it, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a team to do a plan. Okay, I I agree with that, and and I think you're right. But I I just was am thinking that uh, in the end, no one is your regent. Uh, you yourself have to uh, you have to make your own decisions. You have to keep abreast of this. Is there some way that that we uh, uh, that I as as uh, the estate planner, the the fellow uh, who owns the business and owns the, owns the the cash. Uh, is there something I should be reading all the time, uh, or do, uh, wh- how do I keep up with uh, w- with the possibilities around me? It's, it's a brilliant question, and I don't have a great answer. And the reason I don't is just in the estate planning field, the, the rapid fire changes in tax laws, property laws, planning techniques, the way a trust, a modern trust, is drafted today, and trusts are a critical keystone of most plans for most business owners. The way a trust is done today is so radically different than the way a trust was done even five years ago that I don't Mm. think it's feasible for you to be an expert in your field and in, say, estate planning. But estate planning alone is not enough. You need the income tax planning, the corporate planning for your business, personal planning, the interplay. I really think that the ideal way is to have an annual review meeting with your advisory team and understand from your advisory team the things you should do. And if there's something you need to bone up on, let that advisor tell you something relevant to you. For you to keep up with the whole area of estate planning is an impossible task. I struggle as a specialist and an expert to do it. But if I decided you were going to use non-reciprocal flats, you got to know what that is. Maybe I'll give you an article, a paper, or something that I've written or that I've read on it to bone you up on something that, that, that's specifically useful for you. The, the biggest mistake, and I, I kind of hate to say it because I'm guilty of it too, you've got to be very mm-hmm. careful going online and just you know, searching things and reading what you come across on the Internet because there's some great stuff out there, but unless you have the discerning eye to know what you're looking at, there's some really uh, bad stuff that will misinform you. So I think the starting point is to ask the great question you just posed, to your advisory team at an annual meeting. What should I get boned up on? What should I study up on so I can be a better participant in my own planning? Participant. Great. I, I'm glad you said that, and i got to tell you that I'm really glad you brought up that point about the Internet. Uh, it's a great tool, but uh, it is not. It is the greatest source of totally unedited and unverified material. My <laughs> wife is, is is a librarian. She goes wild at what she sees people bringing in from the Internet as absolute truth, making medical decisions. It's frightening. So, I, uh, as a matter of fact, I'm going to call that a quill pen moment right there. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you would dip your pens in your inkwell and jot down what Marty has said, and that is you can't believe everything you read online. <laughs> and uh, at this point, uh, you have pulled up your chair uh, to the Art of the CEO radio show streaming live from Blog Talk Radio, and we have come to the midpoint of today's feast, so... 
let's uh, pause and take a brief survey and allow me to introduce to you the company by whose good graces we are here today. That firm is Prometheus Publishing, creator of Bart's Books, Ultimate Business Guides, among many other divisions. And you may visit bartsbooks.com, that's B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com, to explore a wide wealth of practical wisdom from business masters. And this very day, Prometheus would uh, just love to have you take a look at uh, one of their books entitled So That's How They Do It. And i got to say, this is one of my favorite book projects that the team put together because because of the readership. It was deliberately designed for the energized elite. And, and you know who you are. You're, you're that individual who seeks a fulfilling, satisfying career and is willing to push up away from that swivel chair and seize a better tool, go out, search it, invest in a book, read it, and uh, apply it to your own job and business. And so rather than give you a seven-step little template, this book offers you a real smorgasbord of tactics uh, that have been proven by very successful folk. And each tactic or discipline is, is in the book is short. And as a matter of fact, I think uh, one of them is Marty's in there somewhere. And so that shows you the caliber. We're, we're right up there. And we So we hope you pick up a copy. So that's how they do it. Bypass the tools that don't suit. Apply the ones that do. And um, one more thing, if you enjoyed today's quip, and you say, I'd like a little bit of wisdom flung at me every week, go to bartsbooks.com, click on the little blue mailbox, and and subscribe for free. And also, keep watching the store, because very soon we have a second collection of quips entitled, very cleverly, 102 Best Business Quips. All are as new and laughable as my wife finds her husband. So now, to each of you who, upon this Ides of March, when Julius Caesar was stabbed in the the Forum Esophagus and Belly, uh, and you find yourself reminded of your own mortality, let's return to the foremost expert on estate planning, Mr. Martin Shankman. Marty, what uh, what about the owner who has a business uh, uh, or a nonprofit that she's poured her heart into and thinks, boy, I'd, I'd, I'd love that the children run it, but no one at this point is really capable of mantling leadership. Maybe they will when I die. Uh, have you got any uh, intriguing tales about this and some, perhaps some solutions? Well, first of all, that that hypothetical person is probably being more honest than, than many business owners I meet. Um, so often <laughs> a, a owner of a closely held business operates under the complete misconception that their children are living to come into that business when point in fact they're <laughs> dreading it. So, so you're already starting a, a big step ahead of where many people are. So um, Mm -hmm. let me just turn the dial back a slight bit and say before you you make a decision about your children being in the business, you need to really ask them. And you need to preface the question by saying, I really want to hear what you really think, not what you think I want to hear. Do you really want to be here? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Once you've ascertained that, then you need to start planning. Whether or not right. an heir, whether it's a child or other family member, friend, or however you define family in this day and age, that's going to come uh-huh. into business, you need to start grooming them. You need to be mm-hmm. objective about how and what they can perform. Not everybody has the same strengths. Often people that start a business are out there you know, on the forefront of something, whether it's technology or a creative marketing idea. You know, The business may have matured, and you need management and different types of skills now. 
So I think involving, mm, yeah. and I'm going to use the same phrase I use from estate planning, but it may be a somewhat different co- composition of a group. You want a team okay. of advisors. You, you know, perhaps your right. accountant, your business attorney. There's even business psychologists that in some instances are worth their weight in gold. You need to get some advisors around that can help guide you. There may be a key employee. Many of my clients have incentivized key employees to stay and help transition the business by giving them uh, uh, financial remuneration to to entice them to do so. And and by the way, be very careful giving financial remuneration in terms of equity to key employees. Once you start spreading equity around, you're you're opening a whole Pandora's box. Be very careful about that. Right. I'm glad you raised that. yeah, another an approach that's often used is what's referred to as phantom equity. I'm not giving you the key employee 20% of of the stock, but I'm going to assure you under your employment agreement you get 20% of profits as a bonus each year plus 10% of the, the 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 net sales proceeds if we sell the business within five or ten years or something like that. You can mimic the same economics with a great degree of, of of precision without losing the equity in the vote and thereby creating a, a mess. I I see what you're getting at, and I think that I think that's that's really really important because you do need to. We, we, it's so common to break things down into simple percentages, but uh, as with with the phantom equity, with the phantom stock, you can you can base it on. It allows you uh, to base it on reality or, or reality in the future. And I'm just wondering, Marty, do do you think? That uh, in the succession of the Trump family, that a psychiatrist uh, or a psychologist or perhaps a ringmaster would have helped. No comment. <laughs> All right, <laughs> shows wisdom on both parts. Let's not go there. Let's stay far away. Anyway, <laughs> um, I, I I was wondering. Uh, I know uh, you you talked. Uh, about estate plannings, as I, I've heard you say this, that, that you're passing on a uh, not just money, but a transmission of values. And I was just wondering if, in some of the cases, that uh, some of those values that they're trying to pass on, uh, well, have you ever met any that are, shall we say, are a bit bizarre uh, or uh, slightly counterproductive? Well, there's, there's a lot of the quote, by the way, that I made up, and that's why I love it. But I think there's incredible truth in it and changes the whole face of estate planning. Estate planning should not only be about the transmission of wealth, but about the transmission of values. Uh, getting right. the most chips to the next generation alone does not make them happy or productive uh, members of society. Uh, passing on good values is really part and parcel of the process. The reason people focus on getting the most chips to the next generation is it's much easier and cleaner. It's sanitary. It's not digging into yeah. all the personal issues and you know, really assessing what values are important to you. Um, I, I think that one of the misguided things, and this is critical for your, your audience today of closely held business owners and executives and the people that advise them, you have to be very careful bequeathing business interests into a trust and mandating right. that the trust can never, ever, ever sell the business <laughs> interests. Now, by the way, oh, I, I believe yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything, everything should be given in trust 
because with the divorce rate, the the the, the lawsuit rate, the 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 degree of incompetency or uh, uh, spendthrift nature, so many years, everything should be given in trust. You're not restricting abilities; you're protecting people. But that being said, okay. many people with a business interest want to prevent the trustee from selling it. You have to be very very careful. Times change. You know, oh, yeah. you can't restrict the ability to get out of a business that may no longer be viable. Right, right. I think that a, a perfect example is is that most people uh, who have passed uh, just a few years back before the digital revolution and the total change that that has meant to business could not have uh, envisioned it, and I would say, therefore, should not be trying to fix and govern the business from the grave uh that that they because revolutions happen of of which you just don't have any uh, you you cannot have any knowledge right correct and res- overly restricting somebody uh preventing them from selling a business could absolutely not only decimate the business but destroy the wealth and even if there's an opportunity to trans trans uh, transition the business into a new endeavor or ancillary fields or take it down a different path, if, if, you're, if you're governing documents, your wills, the trust, the things you're doing to pass it on, the shareholders' agreement, are not broad and flexible enough, you could have just destroyed the very uh, golden goose that you were trying to pass on. And by the way, that yeah, is yeah. another really vital point, if I may. Uh-huh. Um, sure. And this is one of the big mistakes in many, many closely held business estate plans. You may have a corporate attorney that does the shareholders' agreement. You may have an estate planner that does your wills and trusts. They better yeah. be coordinated. You must make uh, sure that what's provided for in the shareholders' agreement is not inconsistent with what's under your wills and trusts. You will have a disaster on your hands, and it happens with too great a frequency. Oh, you know, I can see it's like the producers. They sell 310% of the show. Right. They could lit- they can literally give away more than the store. Yeah. It's not only giving away more than the store. You may have different provisions for who governs what. You may have somebody oh, appointed as a trustee that can vote the stock while in the shareholders' agreement you named a different kid to be in charge as president, and then the kid that <laughs> votes the stock fires the president. You need to make sure everything's coordinated. <laughs> This is not yes, rocket yes. science. It's common sense, but for some reason, people seem to, in their mind, and a lot of advisors compartmentalize, and you find that even if it, you're using a big law firm, the person in the corporate department, she's not talking to the partner in the estate and trust group, and you have a problem. Yeah, yeah, right. I, I, and that's, I'm glad you also brought that in, that what you tell one member of a law firm is not told to every other member of the law firm. And I'm I'm glad, and, and that's true in, in all business, but somehow we sort of neglect that. I think when we deal with law partners, uh, people, what you the, tell the, one individual the, the res- is where it is. Go ahead. The, the way to solve this potential issue, and it's a huge costly issue, is for the business owner not to be penny-wise and pound-foolish. Have a periodic, and I will typically say annual review meeting. Have all your advisors. Yes, it will cost you a few bucks. They're going to bill you hourly. Have your corporate attorney, your estate and trust attorney, your insurance salesperson. If you have a business insurance consultant that's separate from your personal, have everybody in the room once in a while because that's Mm -hmm. what will help create the coordination. In my experience, having a meeting like that will not only coordinate your plan, it's amazing the kind of insights and ideas that are generated when you get all these different people seeing different aspects 
of your business and your planning and your personal situation all in one room. It's often a very, very enlightening meeting. Marty, I think you have just moved from estate planning into managerial consulting and given us a bit of wisdom that we all should have. Uh, this has been just fascinating. I've, I've loved every bit of it, and I've, I've learned a lot, and um, I'm sure all of us have. So uh, I, I really am going to ask that uh, we're going to try to reserve a little of your time later on and have you come back in a later show. And in the meantime, I thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity, Bart. Okay. And ladies and gentlemen, as we round out today's show, uh, this is Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom, leaving you with today's business quotation, who said, okay, Paul, you and your Beatles have a number one song here, but for God's sakes, don't make it so slow and dreary. Speed it up. <laughs> and as a hint, because the Beatles did listen to this uh, recently deceased record producer, Please Please Me, and a mountain of other of their other songs top the charts. And if you know the, the author of this quote, just jot that uh, person's name down as you believe him or her to be and send it to info at bartsbooks.com to win an astounding, life-changing gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And finally, as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, the key to wisdom is to strip the idea totally of its source of authority and let it be weighed naked on the scale of its actual value. My friend, I hope that you have each uh, enjoyed sharing our feast as much as Marty and I have enjoyed bringing it to you. And remember that you may download this and all our shows at blogtalkradio.com slash theartofthecEO. So to each gentleman and each lady, may I say, as always, it has been a privilege. I thank you. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.